Um, I'm honored to be back. It's great. If you go back and chart this church's history, I'm serious about this. It was like the same number of people for a long time, and then I left, and then it went <laughs> So it's neat to see all the new people that were waiting to come until I left, and now here I am. So great to, great to be here. I really am honored. Uh, I'm not... A long time ago, I decided I don't want to be smooth as a speaker, so this will not be smooth. And it's because I'm not smooth. And I also realized doing radio, like, I don't want to hear smooth people. It used to be on the radio, like, hey, we got 15 minutes before the big top of the hour, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I can't stand. Who talks like that? <laughs> and would you want to be around that person? No, you wouldn't. So um, you, just, you get what you, you get me. Um, I'm not going to be smooth. And also, this stuff that I'm saying, I could be wrong. And so there may be objections that you have that are valid. Which is always true. Randy's wrong 75% of the time. <laughs> and, but I just want, I want you to know what I'm saying is what I've learned, and it's toward me. Like, you preach what you need to hear sometimes. And so this is about me, too. It's not like I'm an expert in this. But I'll tell you, um, something happened to me where it dawned on me. I can't find a place in the Bible where it says that anger is good for humans. But I was raised with the idea, and I bet you were too, and you probably still have the idea, that anger, there's bad anger and there's good anger. Um, the problem with that idea is it's not biblical. It's not there. Well, Brant, what about this? What about that? We'll talk about all that stuff. But I want to show you a little bit of the sleight of hand that they use on this subject, which is so interesting to me. I think, some, you know what? I have this theory that, like, there's all these churches and publishing things and radio stations. They're always trying to make Jesus relevant to people. We've got to figure out a way to make it relevant. Relevant magazine. Relevant this. Relevant that. Relevant. got to be relevant. You know what? Jesus, the problem isn't that Jesus needs to be made relevant. The problem is he's too relevant. That's the problem. That's why we try to escape what he has to say. And if you escape what he has to say, then it is kind of hard. You have to figure out, okay, how does he apply to our lives when you ignore the obvious? Well, one of them is, you know what? When somebody wrongs you, you forgive them. That means you let go of your anger. It's not a subtle theme. Love your enemies. You're not allowed anger. Anger isn't in the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, anger, gentleness. It's not in there. You won't find it. It's always in bad lists. Ah, but Brant, you're crazy because there is a scripture that says that anger is good. And I've heard this a million times from people. I've also picked up, whenever I've talked about this, I've picked up from people that they think I'm crazy because I can see their nonverbal cues, and they also say, you're crazy. So, I have a way. But what, can we look at this first scripture? This is so common. It's Ephesians 4.26, and I've heard this from people who have been churched. And it's like, ah, but it says in the Bible, in your anger, do not sin. So, anger must be good, because it's not sin. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that. Therefore, anger's good. And they get a whole theology of anger, like, my anger is okay because, A, what my dad did to me was wrong, uh, what my mom did to me was wrong, what this person did was wrong, and, and also, it says in your anger, do not sin. We're supposed to be angry about some stuff. Some stuff is wrong. Well, this says, uh, when you're angry, do not sin, and then it continues. People just memorize the first part, and be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. And they also forget the next... Can you go to the next one there? They also ignore this one. It's five verses later. Don't be angry. 
So it's in the same section. It tells you don't be angry. That's we justify. No, anger is good sometimes. See, it says that. Well, read five verses later. Every single time it's mentioned for humans in the Bible, it's negative. Every single time. Ah, but Brant, God gets angry. Yes, he does. Newsflash, you're not God. But I'm, ah, but Brandon, I'm supposed to be like God. See, what would Jesus do? Jesus gets angry. I should be angry. See, no, no, no. See, God can be trusted with anger because he is sinless. You're not. This is an important distinction. Jesus talked about, there's a, there's a parable, a story of the unmerciful servant, it's called. There's a king. There's a guy who the king forgives. This guy owes the king tons of money. The king forgives him, and then the guy turns around and won't forgive a guy who owes him a little bit. And the king is ticked off about it, really angry. And he punishes that servant who wouldn't turn around and forgive somebody else. Who are you in this story? This is the great thing about telling stories, parables. It forces you to consider, who am I? Am I the king or am I the guy in the middle? Clearly, we are the guy in the middle. We have been forgiven much, but we turn around and won't forgive other people for stuff. So this is Jesus' basis. Do you realize you've been forgiven and you are just as guilty as the person you're angry with. Jesus levels the moral playing field, and I love this because it precludes self-righteousness. You can't be self-righteous. Well, I haven't killed anybody. Yes, you have, if you've hated someone. I've never committed adultery. Oh, congratulations, you did in your head, in your heart. You've had wayward thoughts. You've been selfish in your mind. Maybe you just didn't have the guts to do it. Does that make you superior? Or maybe you didn't have the opportunity to do something to kill somebody, but you would have. That make you No, Jesus levels the playing field. You're just as guilty. So you get to be angry, but you don't want God to be angry with you, even though you're just as guilty. Let's just make sure that we're clear. God's able to be trusted with anger because he's God. We're not. You know, Dallas Willard, who's a guy I really respect, passed away recently. He's a philosopher and author. He said, this is the biggest issue for Christians because they never talk about it. For American Christians, anger is the biggest issue. Never talk about it, and then we justify it. I was reading this online devotional, and it literally said, and I, I still am amazed by this, the guy wrote this, and he's like, anger is good sometimes because uh, most, you know, the truth is we wouldn't get anything done without some level of anger. I'm like, like writing devotionals? Were you, was the guy ticked when he wrote this? Like, Ding, zip. I mean, what... No, no one understands that reference. I just realized. <laughs> I just ding zip. For you guys who don't know what to talk, just ding zip. Just don't worry about it. Um, I'm like, seriously, you're angry? You can't get anything done without anger? That's your motivation as a Christian. I think it's supposed to be love. I think you're supposed to be motivated by love. I think you're supposed to love your enemies. I think you're supposed to be motivated by something God gives you, and that's not anger. Every time in the Bible, anger is discussed. In the Old Testament, I can make this, it's in the book there, but I wrote it all down, but I don't remember it. Don't, I should have had a copy of it. I gave my last one to Randy. Um, it actually, I go through like the Old Testament where it talks about human anger, and it's always, it uses terms like burning, destroying, thunderclap. Um, it's, it's like a disaster every single time. Anger resides in the lap of fools, it says in Ecclesiastes. So where anger lives, it's in the lap of a fool. Well, I'm entitled to it. Understand who you are. According to the Bible. Let's go to another scripture, by the way. 
What about righteous anger, Brant? I don't, nobody, nobody memorizes this verse. They know the other one. In your anger, do not sin. We got that. They don't, there's no such thing as righteous anger for humans. Um, let's go to another verse here. Let's see. But now also, I, and I could have picked a hundred of these, by the way. I just pick, I just kind of randomly picking some. But now also put these things out of your life. Anger. Bad temper, doing or saying things. I heard others using evil words when you talk. Anger's always in these lists. Bitterness, anger. Where, when are you entitled to bitterness? Well, I'm entitled to some bitterness. No, you're not. Now, here's the thing. Understand, we get angry. It's a natural physiological response. It happens. You get it. There's a flash of it. It happens. That's not sin, clearly. But we're told when you get angry, you get rid of it. It's like Frodo gets the ring. It's not his fault. It's Gandalf's fault. But then he goes to the cracks of doom, and he's got to get rid of it, or it will destroy him and everybody around him. It's the same thing. And I mention that for a couple reasons. Number one, it's true. And then number two, I am determined to squeeze Lord of the Rings into every, every presentation I make. <laughs> so, thank you. But it's, tr- it's really true. It's not, it's, it, it happens. You're going to get angry. Somebody does something to you that takes away something wonderful or, or, or hurts you. It's wrong. You'll get angry. The question is, are you entitled to it? And for how long? Well, I'm entitled to it. How long? Two weeks? Three months? You've got a sliding scale? When is it? The reason no one has a coherent answer is you're not entitled to it. It's not for you. It's God's business. You know what? He's the judge. He's entitled to vengeance. Are you? Maybe he's different than us. Um, By the way, I have to deal with this all the time. Um, I work in Christian radio, and I've worked in mainstream radio, and people are always mad about stuff I say. I don't mean it. Probably half you guys wish you could call me now and complain. Um, But I get calls all the time. It's just constant. Phone rings. I say something, phone rings. Hello, I'm disappointed in you. I know. (laughs) Um, What was it one time? It was, oh, literally, a weather forecast. Hey, it's going to be uh, 72 today, a little bit warmer than it should be for this time of year. Tonight's low is going to be about 55, and tomorrow, ring. I'm offended by your weather forecast. Why? You said it's warmer than what it should be, but God's in charge of the weather. It's exactly what it should be today. Okay. Um, I, oh, I did this thing where I play the accordion poorly, and I have people call in, and we call it kamikaze karaoke, so they get to choose whether they want an 80s song, a mainstream song, or like a Christian song from that station, because I want everybody to be able to play. Like, some people don't know Christian music, fine, well, you know, so whatever, 80s, whatever. So, somebody called and requested the Christian song, and I played it, and they couldn't figure out what it was, because it was bad, and so they lost, and the next person said, well, I want an 80s song, and I played it, and they figured it out, and I got a call going, I'm offended, why? Well, that little game you just played, it's interesting to me that you would play the Christian song poorly, but when you played the mainstream song, it seemed like you had practiced. <laughs> like, I just want to get this down. You're, you're upset that I played Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins too well <laughs> on my accordion. I just want to make sure. I remember, I was in Florida for eight years. We now live in California, but uh, I got a call from a dude who was mad at me one morning. You never talk about Tim Tebow. Okay, I thought everybody else was doing that, but 
I guess I have to too, sorry. But it dawned on me as I was like, oh, sorry. I said, um, you know what? I talked about him yesterday on the show. We have a four-hour show. You know, I, did, I talked about it yesterday, actually. I talked about Tim Tebow and uh, had some good things to say, I think. Well, you never talk about Tim Tebow between 7.30 and 8. <laughs> Valid. It's, people are constantly offended. They're constant. It's just a way of life. And when I worked at WDWS over here, did mainstream talk, people were upset about different stuff. They didn't put the religious talk on it, but they're constantly offended. We live by San Francisco. They, good grief, they, have a, they are the most moralistic, legalistic people you can live around. It's just different stuff. Just different stuff. That's human. But you know what? When radio people get together, a lot of times they will complain about the callers, like I just did to you. We're like, I can't believe this lady called, and that guy, and he called. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I'm like, how long have you been in Christian broadcasting? 15 years. And you can't believe this? <laughs> you can't believe the world is as it is? Like, or people, maybe you've done this. Can't believe my mom said that. We were at Christmas, and she said, she said and then how long has your mom been saying stuff like that? My entire life. <laughs> and you, you can't believe it. You just, it's just, just it's shocked. Shocked that your mom's exactly the same way she was 40 years ago. I just, this is so funny to me because people, you have expectations about the way the world's supposed to be. And we're constantly angry about, I can't believe Prospect Avenue. People cut me off at rush hour. Can't believe it. Um, This is the world. People are messed up. They're selfish. They're broken. Uh, Things are unfair. And things are unjust. That's the world. How about you reconcile yourself to the world as it is and have reasonable expectations for it and maybe let people off the hook because you're just as guilty. Just an idea. Uh, I heard from a guy that you could choose to be unoffendable and I found that it is true. About 99% of the time, it's really pretty easy. Like before you go to your mom's for Thanksgiving and you know she's going to be the way she is, you know. Before you go, decide, I'm not going to let her offend me this year. I'm not going to be shocked that mom is this way again, that she asks me again, when are you going to get married or whatever? I'm not going to be shocked by this. That's what she does. That's how people are. And about 99% of the offense that we take is right there. You can cut it off just by going, I'm not going to let them bother me anymore. You could leave church this morning, decide that at work tomorrow. They're not going to let you offend me. It's freeing. It's wonderful. So there's a big part of your problem already solved. Um, I had to realize that I've got to let, let stuff go. By the way, uh, Slate.com, I just saw this. They named 2014 the year of outrage. Because, and they made an interactive calendar. It's actually kind of fun. You can pick any date, just randomly. May 13th, click, and it'll show you what everybody was outraged about on Twitter that day. Some major, I can't believe you, let's rally against this. Um, just everybody's mad. It's the easiest thing in the world to be mad. And you know what? I think... This gets to another point I want to talk about in a second, but I think a lot of times we confuse, we, we actually feel righteous about being angry because we're angry. Like, well, see, I'm offended by what they just did, so that makes me a pretty good person in our minds. That's the way they are in San Francisco. That's the way they are in Alabama. That's the way, it's just different stuff. I'm offend, I just, it makes you feel so righteous. It's a different kind of self-righteousness because I'm ticked about what you did. Um, makes us feel good. Uh, some problems, I was thinking about some objections people would have to this. As I'm trying to think about what you're thinking about because you won't say it. Um, aren't we supposed to be angry at sin is an objection. Um, 
I think when we say that, we usually mean other people's sin, I've noticed. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, be angry at your sin. Be angry. And then when it's all gone, then you can turn to others and be angry at their sin. Um, problem is, you won't get there. Um, the other thing is, you're not the judge of other people's sin. And here's something really crazy. Not only are you not as guilty, but um, you have no clue what their actual motives are. No clue. Ever. You don't know how they're raised. You don't know what they're dealing with. You, have no, and you, know, you know this, but you don't know. In fact, you don't know yourself. You can appoint yourself judge. I can't believe what this person did. Really? You don't even know your own motives. I didn't make that. Uh, I think it's the next scripture. We'll see here. Oh, yeah, this is Paul writing. And he says, as for myself, think about this. Nobody memorizes this scripture. They should. As for myself, I do not care if I am judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. I know of no wrong I've done, but this doesn't make me right before the Lord. The Lord is the one who judges me. So do not judge before the right time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light things that are now hidden in darkness and will make known the secret purposes of people's hearts. Then God will praise each one of them. You don't even know your own motivations. You can say, oh, but I did a good thing. Why? Why did you do it? Was there a little bit of motivation for your own self to feel good about yourself? I'll say there was. I don't think I've ever done anything pure of heart, honestly. I've done some impressive religious stuff. I mean, impressive. I've been gone here for 20 years, and I've been busy doing awesome stuff. So what? Because a lot of it was me wow, you went to Afghanistan three times to serve them. I wanted to go out to Afghanistan. It was cool. And I like looking good to people. I like being the one that holds the baby and goes, look who I just, you know. But it's still, there's some me in there. It's partially because I want to love people. It's partially, even speaking now, I want this to be a blessing to you. I want this to be freeing to you. But there's part of it that I want to look good to you so that you'll go, hey, I like that guy or something. It's never pure. But you know what? Here's what's wonderful about this. Well, Brant, this is so confusing. How do I keep track? If I, you don't have to. Just let God do it. I don't know. Paul's just saying, I can't even judge. I'm just going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve people. I'm going to let him worry about it. I'm not going to take my spiritual temperature all the time, and I'm certainly not going to take yours. I don't know where you are. I get questions. Brant, is that guy from that one band, is he really a good Christian? I don't know. If I knew, if I lived as his roommate, I wouldn't know. The people you know in your own life, you don't know their heart. You're saying, I don't know my husband's heart. Yes. Yep. Some women, some men are shocked. They can't believe their spouse of 30 years or 50 years or 10 years, all that time, they didn't really know him. That's the human heart. It's deceptive above all things. We are so easily fooled by ourselves. You can fool yourself. Don't trust yourself. Leave it to God. And these other people, I think a lot of times we're angry with them because we don't trust that God's going to deal with them. So we feel like a little bit of the judgment should be left to me. Because God's not going to, he's going to let them off the hook, isn't he? We don't trust him. We're consumed with anger. We can't trust our own judgment. Here's another, here's another question. Oh, another thing, another reason we shouldn't trust ourselves. You know our capacity? No matter what happens, if there's a conflict, we're the victims. 
Very rarely do we go, you know what? I'm the problem. I'm the pro-. You know what? I, it's never, I can't believe what I said yesterday. Did you hear what I said? No, it's she, he. It's always somebody else. We're always the victims. You can ask. And I use this as an example. Um, let's say Missouri, Illinois, a border, you know, ball game. There's a bad call to the Illinois fans. They could take a lie detector test. Was that out of bounds on Illinois? No, it was not. And they could pass it. And you could have the Missouri fans take the same thing. Was that out of bounds on the Tigers? No, it was not. And they'd pass it. It was the same play. But see, we always get the benefit of the doubt to ourselves. Always. You can't trust yourself. Your heart is deceptive. So for you to appoint yourself as judge over somebody is wrong. It doesn't, by the way, people are, oh, so no judge, namby-pamby, there's no such thing as right or wrong. No, there is right or wrong. And I believe in God so strongly, he knows it. I will, I, I know it. Wrong destroys, right? Makes people's lives go better. I get it. God's got a, commands. I get it. I'm not denying any of that. I'm saying you as judge to think you know somebody else's motives is a mistake. And, and me, I don't even know me. Was well, he a good Christian? What does that mean? Jesus said no one's good but the Father. Who's good? I mean, how, that's not subtle. No, he's not a good guy. I'll just answer the question. No, he's not. <laughs> you know what I think people honestly are asking? They're asking deep down. I really believe this. They're saying, do you think he tries as hard as I do at being a Christian? That's what a good Christian is. And if he's not, then he's not. I think that's what they really mean. Here's an objection. What about injustice? Surely we are to be angry at unjust people. Um, it seems obvious. We should be angry at injustice. Uh, you know what? I don't want our justice system to be angry. I like it when our police do things because they want to protect people, not because they're angry. I like it when our judges rule according to the law instead of out of their anger. I like it when our soldiers don't act out of anger. In fact, they're trained not to act out of anger. Good soldiers do not act angry. They don't get you whipped up into anger. They want you to do the right thing, which is an important distinction. A lot of us feel good about being angry. In fact, a lot of men think it's manly. You're telling me I have to be some kind of namby-pamby, you know, whatever, insert your own words here uh, kind of thing. Like, you think anger is manly? Let me ask you a question. Why? Do women find anger attractive? No. They find action attractive. They find men who actually do things attractive. I put pictures up for, like, I've done this with a little experiment with high school girls and and middle school girls with guys there, which is so revelatory to the guys. They're like, oh. I put pictures up of, of just random guys around the world rescuing people, and they're not attractive. They can be They're not classically muscular or symmetrical or whatever. Um, But there's pictures of them, and they're rescuing people. One's a helicopter pilot taking somebody in from Katrina. You know, another's a a, uh, soldier in in South Korea rescuing an old woman. There's just all sorts of stuff. And I ask him at the end, hey, are those guys attractive? Yes. (laughs) All of them, like, wow. And I put a picture up again, like, that guy doesn't look like a model or anything. Like, you would expect... He's attractive. Why? He's protecting. He's protecting the vulnerable. He's rescuing the weak. There's something deeply attractive. Action 
is manly. Anger is scary. There's nothing manly about anger. That's a myth of, a, of, a, of masculinity. But I show that, and I also tell the guys, like, look at every, when they ask women, what are the most attractive occupations? The number one answer always is the same thing. You guys know what it is? Want to guess? Anyone who wasn't here earlier? No one? Firefighter. It's always number one. Well, it's not because they're angry at the fire. Ooh. So yeah, I would say when you encounter injustice, you act. Don't pose on Twitter or Facebook about, I am upset about this. I'm so makes you feel better. It doesn't do any good for anybody else. And people mistake anger for action. It's so easy to be angry. So easy. There's stuff in this culture I think is so wrong, so foul, so wrong. It doesn't help me to get worked up into a frenzy and just watch my only channel and get me even madder at those people. I'll watch MSNBC or Fox News, one of the two, and just, yeah, you're right, they're idiots. They're, they're still idiots. They're idiots. They're idiots. Every day, get mad at the other side, constantly getting angry, angry, angry. That doesn't help anybody. Action out of love can help people. I mean, out of love. Um, I was kind of wondering, too, what if Christians were the only people that couldn't be offended. And I kind of think that's where we should be. What if we were? Can't be offended. I don't, and, I, and when I decided, it's like, I don't blanch at cuss words. I don't care if somebody says something I disagree with, honestly. And I've decided I'm not going to be offendable. I get on Facebook, people say stuff I disagree with. I'm not going to get all angry about it and stew about it. Or write a comment and then walk away and I can't eat dinner because I'm thinking about the online brouhaha that's going on. I got over, oh, I got so tired of that. I post something, take it down, edit it, put it back, make it nicer. Um, what good does that do? How about I find something, even if somebody disagrees, oh gosh, this book doesn't come out till April, I wrote, and I know what's going to happen since it's called Unoffendable. The reviews are just going to rip me to pieces, and I'm going to see how I feel about it. So I did get a review. I don't know how she got a copy, but man, she hated me. Hated everything about it. it. Just I wasn't. I just hate. She's like, we need to be angry. We gotta be. Just ripped me to pieces, and I had to read it, and I had to respond. I'm like, thanks for your honesty. <laughs> and you, you know what's weird though is I honestly feel pretty good about that. I like walked away from it not stewing about it. And uh, you actually, the idea that you vent your anger and you feel better is a, it's also a myth. You actually, when you vent your anger, you get angrier. No, I'm done with it now. No, you're not. No. It's when you charitably think about that person and you love your enemy. Uh, I think it's a blessing. It, it's really restful, too. I don't know if you guys, some of you guys have already practiced this, but you find it's really restful because I don't have to evaluate everybody all the time. And in, in, in traffic, I literally treat it as forgiveness practice. <laughs> Jesus said you'll be forgiven as you forgive, and I have a chance now to forgive that guy. That guy. <laughs> and then it's so interesting because then I'll accidentally cut somebody off and I let myself off the hook really fast. And you guys do it too. You do the exact same thing as somebody else and you let yourself off the hook. Um, here's an opportunity to live a pretty restful life when you leave it to God. The other thing it does too is instead of being walking away, you know what? I actually think this is what ministry is. We use the term ministry in Christianity. It means servanthood. So a minister is a servant. Um, 
I actually think that's what ministry is, is refusing to be offended. Like, I'm not going to be offended by, like, if you have a foster ministry, foster kids, you don't go, I don't like this kid's attitude. I'm done. No, you will not walk away. I minister to my kid. I'm not walking away from him. I will not, no matter what. I've had friends now that are so offensive in the way that they come across that I would never have anything to do with them, but I'm just kind of like, eh. And they are stunned that I don't walk away. They test the limits. And I think that's what ministry is. And eventually, it changes their heart because rules never change anybody's heart. Grace changes hearts. Rules never do it. Rules are wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I love rules. I like rules. I'm a Pharisee by nature. By nature. There's a bunch of stuff I said as youth minister here I'd like to retract. Um, But grace changes people's hearts. And it allows you, too, to see that person as an artist sees a lump of clay, where you see something nobody else does. That person is lonely, and they're annoying because they're lonely, and they're lonely because they're annoying, but you don't walk away. You see something there. There's something there. That's what an artist does. I think that's what God does with us. He sees something. I have a friend who is here in town. He's an artist, and he came in one day, he was working with me, and he came in. He's like, Brant, great news. I just looked in the dumpster behind IGA. Cardboard like you wouldn't believe. I'm like, who cares? And he shows me this cardboard. He's like, here's a sample. Look at it. It's like, yeah, that's nice cardboard. Who cares? Well, then he showed me in his shop like two months later. Look what he created. It was a giant creche of uh, Mary, Joseph, and, and Jesus. He had done in time for Christmas, and he had created this thing out of cardboard. It, looked like a, it didn't look like cardboard anymore. It looked like marble. And it was, he, had, he had painted all the flags of the world on it to just show this is, this is, he's here for redemption of the world. And it was beautiful. But see, when I looked at the cardboard, I didn't see that. I see brown, ugly, worthless trash. And he's like, he's seeing a statement about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. People walk into houses all the time, like interior decorators or contractors. You walk into the house, you're like, Good, man, this place is, golly, let's get out of here. And they're like, this is awesome. Why? They see it. They can see it. They see this there, that here, we can move this here, put in a window there. Oh my goodness. They're, I don't. They're amazing. You know people like this. They see. If you're offended by the cobwebs, you don't see it. If you're offended by the smell of the last resident in the house, you don't see it. If you're offended by the carpet, maybe you pull it up. Oh my goodness, oak floors. God sees something we don't. And when we drop the offense, I think we're able to love people. Finally, love them. Really love them. Where it's not about what do I get out of this. It's about, I know, how, I know what God thinks about you. I'm going to treat you that way. Um. This is actually the gospel uh, that we're talking about. I don't have much time left, but I think a lot of us deep down, and this is such a deep subject because people have been really hurt, and I can be flippant about anger and say, hey, you need to get rid of it. Like, you're really dealing with something. I will say this, you do need to get rid of it, but I know it's, I know it's real. I know it hurts. I've been through stuff too, lifelong. It's like hard to unwind, and anger comes out in a lot of different areas that seem disconnected to it, but it, it comes out in a lot of areas. I think a lot of times we're angry deeply because we honestly think deep down that God is angry at us, that he's not okay with us. And you may have heard that 
God looks at us, once you put your faith in Christ, that he looks at us through the lens of Jesus, and he's not mad at us anymore. He's not mad at you anymore. He took it all out on his son. But a lot of us think, still deep down, we think it's us. Um, He can't be happy with me. He knows my thoughts. He knows the problems I have, the sins I have. Um, I made this list, and Randy hasn't stopped me from reading it yet. So I'm going to read it again. But a lot of people don't get it. Uh, but I want to underscore something. that it's, When God looks at you, it's not about what you do. He doesn't evaluate you based on, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. Well, he looks at you because of who Jesus is. He wants your heart. So I made a list, of, a bucket list of things you can do before going to hell. And again, not everybody gets this. I'm not saying this stuff is bad. I'm saying you can do it. There are people that go, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Yeah, and depart from me. So I made this list of stuff that you can do. Um, be a scripture memorizer. Teach Sunday school. Tithe. Listen to Christian radio. Work in Christian radio. Protest same-sex marriage. Protest people who protest same-sex marriage. Lead powerful worship. Be a missionary in Africa. Occupy Wall Street. Vote pro-life. Go to seminary. Feel guilty every day. Tweet with Christian hashtags. Have a brilliant, theologically astute understanding of grace. Talk to people about Christ. Say the sinner's prayer. Come forward at church camp. Argue with creationists about evolution. Argue with your teacher about evolution. Leave family devotions. Take a stand for prayer in church. Use Christian-y cuss words instead of the real flippin' thing. Um, put a sticker of a fish on your car pray two hours a day read the bible every day argue that drinking alcohol would ruin your witness witness to people in your neighborhood home brewing discussion group (laughs) say under god really loud when you pledge allegiance to the flag personally baptize people personally lead people in singing chris tomlin songs personally baptize chris tomlin Sponsor a child through Compassion International. Get a Christian tattoo. Get a tattoo of Chris Tomlin baptizing children through Compassion International. <laughs> Homeschool your children. Mail only real Christmas cards, ones with the pictures of Jesus and scripture on it. Be a member of the Tea Party. Be a member of Sojourners and consider yourself enlightened beyond the Tea Party. Be a prophetic voice. Wear a Christian t-shirt that looks kind of like a known product t-shirt but says something Christian on it. Organize VBS. Have a model marriage. Weep openly at small group. Watch repeatedly the movie Fireproof. (laughs) Force your kids to watch repeatedly Fireproof. (laughs) Go to confession. Believe that people who watch Fox News lack your sophistication. Lead your neighbors to Christ. Be correct about every single thing. Know theologically that my point is true but live it as, as if it isn't. See, all this stuff, God wants your heart. This is the stuff that we're actually, when people, all these books, be radical, we have to be radical, 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 Christianity, radical, and it's usually like, serve double time in the nursery at your church. That's radical. Or give a little bit more, do another missions trip, something more to add to your plate. Like, I'm busy, I'm tired. A lot of moms, especially, like, I don't want one more thing to do. That's not radical. Being busy is not radical. Everybody's busy. Everybody. That's not radical. Giving up your right to anger is radical. It means trusting God. It means actually waiting on him. He's got the world in his hand. He knows what that other person's guilty of. You don't. He knows what you're guilty of. You don't. Trust him to take care of it. Would you do that? I mean, would would you say he'll provide justice in the end? I don't have to. My anger doesn't even help. Yes, it was real. 
Yes, it was wrong. What that person did was wrong. Yes, that's why it's called forgiveness. Because it was wrong. If it wasn't wrong, you wouldn't have to forgive them. One more little story and then I'll be done. Um, I was thinking about trusting God and letting go of this stuff. And When we lived in, a, in Champaign, we moved it down to Houston. And uh, my daughter at the time, they were both little kids, my daughter at the time was really into horses. So I thought, oh, let's go to the big rodeo because they had this huge rodeo at the Astrodome down there every year. And so we got in the car and I buckled them in. You know, we got them in their car seats. It's a huge logistical nightmare when you got little kids just to go anywhere. I got their coats on. It was a nippy day with the little gloves on and everything. And we had to do like 10 errands first before we got on the freeway to go down to the Astrodome. So we go to this thing, that thing, we get to that thing, and get out, get in, get to the grocery store, unbuckle, buckle back, in, get out, in, out, in, out, in, pick you up. And then, um, on the, way to the, on the way to the rodeo, I got pulled over for speeding, and the cop came. Says, there's lights. She doesn't understand what's going on. My daughter and my son. There's lights, and the police officer, hey, speeding. Oh, I thought I was a 65. I guess it's a 55. I'm sorry. I had to pay the thing, and, and we're off, and we take off. And then I hear this little voice, and it's like, hey, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm driving. I'm like, yeah. I see her in my rearview mirror. She's sitting back there in a the little seat. Where are we going? I'm like, Oh, yeah, I, uh, we're going to the rodeo. Oh, good. And it dawned on me, this whole time, I'm taking her out of the seat, unbuckling, buckling, this there, that bus. She never asked. She's like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm all good. <laughs> she didn't need to know where we're going. Didn't need to know. Like, why? And then it dawned on me, it's because she knows the driver. Like, and she knows I love her, right? I mean, Dad's driving. I don't need to know. It's okay. I'm not in control. I don't want to be in control. He's got it in the, under control. And it, if I know the driver and I know he actually loves me, it takes a lot of the burden off. And instead of making big plans to be big whatever, um, I can just take whatever is put in front of me that day and love that person. And then he'll, he's got control. Um, like a lot of this is just, honestly, the anger thing is just humility. Realizing that you don't know what you don't know, that you are just as guilty as that other person is. Uh, you're called to love your enemies. You're called to forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Uh, a lot of this idea that, well, if there's good anger, it's not in the Bible. And do you trust him? And ultimately, are you humble enough to be a ch- have a childlike faith and be simple enough, simple-minded enough in the best way to just go, I don't know, man. I'm just going to leave it to him. He'll sort it out in the end. That's what Paul said. Uh, let's pray. Father, I'm so glad that you're in control of things. And it's really hard for us to let go of our anger. It makes us feel better at some level to feel we've been wronged. That way we're the victims. We so easily forget when we did something. slips our mind. Uh, God, thank you for your humility. Thank you for the freedom that comes when you take the religious burden off of us that it's not about keeping spiritual score for everybody. Uh, what, a, what a relief. And we see that it's really good news that you have paid the price already. And there's no more 
anger that needs to be meted out on us for what we've done because you have borne it for us. What a, what a relief. So, Father, I pray that that would happen for us and um, that it would revolutionize the way we live and just free us to enjoy you, take a deep breath and just go, yeah, this is, this is restful. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brant. I was thinking of, um, as Brant was talking, Philippians 2. Um, in Philippians 2, we hear about the example of Christ's humility. Christ was God on high, all-powerful, all-knowing, without sin, completely holy. And he was humble enough to become human, to take on our form, to come, to die for us. He who had every right to be offended by our dirtiness, our sin, our ugliness, he died for us. Um, I just love the call to be humble in Christ. Um, we're going to do something in a few minutes that we do every week. We're going to take communion. Um, communion around Windsor Road is not just for members here. It's for anyone who calls Jesus their king. Um, but before we take communion, I want to invite you just to take a few moments as we sing this song um, to ask God to help you be humble before him. Um, I'm going to kneel because for me that's a really helpful um, posture to take to think about being humble. So I want to invite you if you want to to kneel with me or even just to sit in your seat with your hands open to God. Um, let's ask him to help us lay ourselves down and to be humble before him. <laughs>